defines what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region be proud of. This team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it's a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to the Big Blue Avenue. This is our second show. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Hank Indictor. Thank you very much for joining me, Hank. Really looking forward to tonight's show where we will recap week two and preview week three for those New York football giants. Yeah, I am too. It was kind of a rough, rough game that we watched, but a lot of interesting things happened. And uh, we will get to the recap shortly. We will. We are actually having a special guest join us tonight. Her name is Caitlin Leonard. She'll be joining us at around 7.10 p.m. There's the banner right there, folks. Uh, She is a Chicago Bears fan. She also is a host of the Bear Down Girl podcast. I believe she is from Western Pennsylvania. So it'll be interesting to get her perspective and her take on things as we recap the Giants versus Bears game. So, Hank, uh, without further ado, let's get straight into things. And yes, you can give us a follow, as you see on our ticker right below us. Facebook here, Review and Preview Sports. We are live. Instagram at Review and Preview. Follow us wherever you wish. Uh, so the Giants lost to the Chicago Bears 17-13 to in Week 2. The Giants were down 17-0 at halftime. Uh, but they did. They fought back in the second half of this game, Hank. I was very impressed with the way they were able to come back and perform. They were able to score points. And, you know, it was rough because the Bears, they started off the game with the 12-play, 82-yard drive that uh, ended up in a 28-yard touchdown pass to David Montgomery, a play where pretty much the entire secondary, it looked lost. You guys, um, we had guys out there like Nate Ebner, who shouldn't be playing defense, all due respect to him. He is a special teams ace. I love him in that department. But, man, if Montgomery deeks out about four or five guys, that's just unacceptable play. Uh, Giants get the ball. They fumble their first possession. Daniel Jones, a couple turnovers in this game. I believe the ball was stripped by Robert Quinn, who appeared in his first game in the season, Hank, and recovered by Khalil Mack. Uh, The one-two duo punch of the Chicago Bears, and then down 10 nothing, first play of the second quarter, Saquon Barkley, our star running back, tears his ACL, non-contact play, although he was hit by Eddie Jackson, I think, uh, the play prior. Hank, uh, how awful is it that the Giants lost Saquon Barkley in this game? Well, this right here is one of probably our most talented players, the most talented player on the team right now, and and the guy, our main weapon in the offense to say that this is a huge loss for the giants would be the understatement of the year. And yeah, while they did sign Devonte Freeman to try to re- replace him for the time being, it's really hard to have for someone like him to fill the, the big shoes of Saquon the rest of the way. And the giants are going to have to get creative with the offense too. I agree. This pre- presents a new challenge. The giants, obviously 
They signed Devontae Freeman, who was actually in Philadelphia in his hotel room when the injury happened. He saw it. I thought he handled his first interview very well. But let's get back to recapping this game. We'll get to that a little later on in the show. So later on, Mitchell Trubisky finds rookie wide receiver out of Tulane, Darnell Mooney, for a 15-yard score, making it 17-0. Giants have an opportunity to put some points on the board late in the half, couple good plays down the field, one of them to Golden Tate, who made his uh, season debut in this game. Graham Gano misses a 57-yard field goal, very tough with the Windy City in uh, at Soldier Field, so nothing you can do there. And then we move on to the second half. Hank, I'll let you take it from here because this really depicts the storyline of this game where things somewhat took over. Yeah, so when so the Julian at Julian Love interception on that was caused by James Bradbury turned out to be huge because on that drive, the Giants would go on to get a field goal, get them right back in this kind of you know, and so then on the, so then on their next drive, they would go eleven plays, ninety five yards. Deion Lewis punched it in for the touchdown to make it 17-10. But then afterwards, there was a very big play on the Chicago Bears drive. And James Bradbury picked off a throw by Mitch that was intended for Allen Robinson. He wrestled it right out of his hands. And as it turned out, Bradbury, like I mentioned, had a big hand in both interceptions, quite literally. So this leads to a Giants field goal. So... Right back in this, but then, you know, the Bears are driving down the field. They're chewing up some clock. Of course, we know the big play was the catch by Bobby Massey, but then Cairo Santos misses a field goal. So the Giants have life, and they're driving right down to Chicago 10-yard line in the final seconds of the game. But unfortunately for the Giants, the game would end on an incomplete pass to Golden Tate, and, of course, he was called for offensive pass interference. And the Chicago Bears are now 2-0 for the fifth time since 1993. First time, of course, since 2013, and very unfortunately, and here is a really not-so-fun fact, the Giants are 0-2 for the seventh time in the last eight seasons. Ouch. Yeah, it's really crazy. I want to give credit where credit is due, though. Chicago played a tough game. The Bears are 2-0, well-deserved. Tough uh, road matchup, considering uh, the way the Bears came back against Detroit. A lot of credit to Mitch Trubisky. I will say, though, Allen Robinson was limited in this game thanks to James Bradbury, who was pro football focused defensive player of the week. Bradbury did have one interception in this game, which we'll get to in a little bit, but he really caused both, if you think about it. The one where Julian Love picked off Trubisky, you and I were out watching this together, actually, yes. Hank, and Bradbury was the one that deflected the ball away. I believe it was from Anthony Miller, I want to say, and then Love snagged it in midair. And that yeah, to me was the turning point. The Giants needed momentum, and they got it. Huge props to Bradbury causing both picks. Yeah, I would agree. I think he. I think James Bradbury by far would be my MVP for the on the Giants side of this game, pretty much. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, key takeaways from this game before we get Caitlin Leonard up, she'll join us in about two to three minutes. Uh, Saquon Barkley had four rushes for 28 yards. He's done for the season with a torn ACL. And the Giants also lost wide receiver Sterling Shepard, who will miss at least the next three weeks with a turf toe. Shout out for 
our buddy Connor Walsh diagnosing that injury live. But the good news about Barkley's ACL tear is that it's only a partial ACL tear. He also hurt his MCL a little bit. But we've seen players like Dalvin Cook, Adrian Peterson come back from torn ACLs. And I think the comeback story is going to be something very special for Saquon Barkley uh, next year, Hank. But for this year, the time being, the Giants offense, as you mentioned, they will have to adjust to these two injuries. It's definitely a big heading injury. So, uh, and then also we got to talk about the defense, Hank. It was really, it was really solid for the most part. They've been good these first couple weeks. Remember, they pitched a shutout in the second half of this game. I think the key here defensively is um, the Giants don't quit. They added a couple of good prize free agent additions in the offseason and Bradbury, Blake Martinez, and Kyler Fackrell, who had a sack in this game. A lot of people knocked that signing. I thought it was a good signing, especially because we didn't know if Marcus Golden was coming back at the time, and he was just two years removed from the 10 sacks with Patrick Graham, by the way. So right there, that adds up. And then, you know, despite these losses, Hank, I got to tell you, the Giants appear to be a team that uh, mails it all in when things look bad. They do not quit. And I think this is a credit to their new head coach, Joe Judge, who it looks like he's going to be here for a little bit. Um, I think, uh, I mean, they don't mail it in, you're saying? Yes, when they don't mail it in, they yeah. still hang in tough. Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's yeah. it's more than what can be said about the last three seasons with two pretty incompetent coaches. But you know, it's it's something that you'll take, and at least some form of improvement is pretty much what I wanted to see with the Giants. That's pretty much to give you an idea how low my expectations were coming in. I do agree, and I think the key here too that we take from this game is. Daniel Jones needs to limit his turnovers. Without these turnovers, the Giants, good chance they win this game. The offensive line up front struggled. Uh, look, when you have a defense that features Mack, Quinn, Eddie Jackson, and Roquan Smith, there's going to be turnovers. Also, Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols deserve a lot of credit. Daniel Jones is still learning for me, Eli Manning, as yeah. I'm donning the number 10 tonight in honor of him. Got on the back of my chair right here. Nice. <laughs> I like that. The faded out Eli Manning jersey still going strong. Uh, Barely fits me anymore, but my favorite giant of all time. One of them, actually. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I think overall that Eli Manning, even though he's not there in person, he's still texting Daniel. He's calling him. And so far, I mean, last week wasn't great. He didn't throw a touchdown pass. But the week before, you know, I thought he was pretty good against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that had a very stout defense, Hank. And I think that's translated into week two's performance in that second half, I should say. Not the first half, but um, now heading in week three against the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, We should get Caitlin up here shortly. Um, Just trying to make sure we have everything set technically on our end. Um, But Hank, why don't we get to the pros of this game for the Giants? That is, while um, we're taking – actually, yeah, let's go to the pros of this game while we're taking care of that. Talk about the defense and um, Blake Martinez and um, how he led the Giants in tackles in this game. And according to Pro Football Focus, he has been very good against the run. Yeah, Blake Martinez, I would definitely have to say, has been – 
by far one of the the key acquisitions to the Giants, and I think I think his tackles in this game proved to be a big a big impact in the second half. And um, I, another thing I kind of want to add on to the pros is Evan Engram. He he had a better game too. He made some key plays in the second half. And remember, he didn't. I don't think he even had a catch in the first half. No. He was, he was held catchless. Yes, you would be correct, Hank. And I believe Jones had an interception on a pass that was intended for Ingram. So, you know, I was really impressed that the defense was able to hold Chicago to field goals when the Giants did commit turnovers because a lot of missed opportunities by both teams in this game. A theme in this game, Hank, that I felt was very true was that neither team really wanted to win. Yeah, that, I, the, that kind of... I don't know if it's that they really didn't want to win, but the fact of the matter is both teams were making a lot of mistakes and the giants, you know, they were making mistakes that, you know, a lot of young teams make that that's what happens. But you know, it, you got to give credit to guys like uh, Bradbury and Martinez, who, as I said, they held their own and you also have to give, give credit to Chicago and their pass rush. I think, I think the return of Robert Quinn definitely was huge for them. Well, actually not the return. Wasn't it his debut? It was his season debut, yes. Yes, he. Uh, I believe he forced one of uh, Daniel Jones' fumbles, no? He did, yep. That was recovered by Mac. Um, folks, if you're watching the stream right now, feel free to shoot us any comments, questions about the Giants and their performance. Week three coming up against Frisco, and when, Ka- when Caitlin joins, we are going to go more into depth about this Bears game. But some of the other pros, you know, I did think Ingram had a better game, Hank. Um, made some key plays in the second half, as you mentioned. Julian Love with the first defensive takeaway of the season early on in the third quarter. I thought Deion Lewis did a decent job um, picking up blocks. He was yeah, solid. I wouldn't necessarily say he was like elite per se, but he was serviceable. I guess would be the right word I'm looking for. Definitely was. I think the Giants offense, from what I really noticed, kind of kind of got a little bit better in the second half because I think they were like spreading the ball around. They weren't really relying on one guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but our guest is here and joining us now is uh-huh. our guest for the evening, the host of the Bear Down Girl podcast, Caitlin Leonard. We'll get her up here now. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, so we have a few questions for you. I know you're a Chicago Bears fan. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for um, your podcast. So basically, uh, at the beginning of 2018, I decided to kind of take a leap and start a Chicago Bears podcast. Um, I got a degree in broadcasting. Um, I, Coincidentally enough, I live in Pennsylvania, I so I'm surrounded by Steelers and Eagles fans, but I just somehow managed to become a Bears fan at a young age, and it stuck with me. So I decided to go to college and major in broadcasting to get um, – you know, a feel for sports broadcasting. And I, my full-time job isn't dealing with broadcasting per se, but I thought this could be my passion project. And so I started that podcast and now I just cover the bears every week. And now during the season, I twice a week, I'll put out an episode previewing and recapping the games. Nice. And if you want to hear those podcasts that Caitlin does, you can uh, subscribe, like, and subscribe at bear down girl podcast. Um, you know, the Bears are, I feel like all time, they're a very similar franchise to the Giants, an old school type of organization that's been around forever. Uh, my first question for you is their week two performance against the Giants. I got to say, I was 
very impressed. It, they started off quick, which is interesting because it was the polar opposite to week one yes. where they got off to a very slow start and then caught fire in the second half. A lot of people expected a blowout. We actually had a Bears guest on last week as well. He was expecting a blowout. I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought the Giants, they did a lot against Pittsburgh on the grand stage, and I was impressed with the way the Bears came back against the Lions. Uh, Where did you see this game going? Where did I see it going? Um, I I guess I would say more of an optimistic fan and, I guess, analyst. So I, I expected them to kind of bounce back, start off, you know, way better than they did in week one, which I'm, I'm glad they did. And I guess the, the struggle is sometimes with them, it's recurring that they can't put a full complete game together. And so I thought, especially with the giants and I knew they were going to rely heavily on Saquon Barkley. I thought the bears defense would be able to handle that and stop the run. Um, unfortunately he ended up getting hurt. So, um, you know, praying for him. Hopefully he comes back smoothly next season. Um, but I just, I thought they'd have their way, especially against Daniel Jones and getting to the, getting to him, getting pressure on him. And I thought it would be more of a blowout, but it, sometimes with the bears, they tend to kind of teams you think they would blow out. They, it, they, it's a close game. I mean, right. I mean the past, right. you know, three seasons against the giants, they've been pretty come, especially in 2018, that game was pretty competitive. And, um, yeah, so it, it just happens sometimes. Um, so I, I thought maybe they would score a lot more points, but it's the NFL. It's hard to predict sometimes. Fair enough. Hank, uh, I know you were talking about David Montgomery to me earlier today, so uh, why don't uh Yeah, I know he left the game with, an, with a neck injury, but he did have a good 28-yard touchdown on the first drive, and he also made some other key runs, and he had like five yards per carry. How much of a factor do you think, do you think David Montgomery played into the win for you guys? I think he was a huge factor. Um, before the season, uh, I really wanted Matt Nagy's goal to basically make David Montgomery the identity of this offense, and he's really excelled at, the, at this first the first two weeks, making him the focus of the offense. And I think the way they utilized him in the fourth quarter, especially, you know, the Giants were kind of getting some momentum coming back in the game, and so basically running the football to run out the clock. And I thought that they utilized him in the perfect way, calling plays, and I thought he was effective. I mean, he kept getting first downs and taking time off the clock that caused the Giants to use their timeouts, and they didn't have a lot of time at the end of the game to get back in it. And so I thought, you know, basically Matt Nagy, these first two weeks, especially this week, he's really kind of figuring out how to use David Montgomery, and I think he's going to be more of this the Chicago Bears identity. I agree, too. I think Montgomery's a really good pass catcher as well. I always liked him. I thought last year he was definitely underutilized, which it's just good to see him um, running behind, quite frankly, I think, which is an underrated Bears offensive line. I think they're more like maybe middle of the pack, but uh, Daniels and Whitehair I thought were really good in the trenches. Um, I want to talk to you about Allen Robinson. You know, there's been rumors about him wanting a contract extension, uh, potential chemistry issues with Mitch Trubisky. I was surprised. James Bradbury did a really good job. He held Robinson to three catches for 33 yards. Um, now the Bears did a similar thing on the other end to Darius Slayton, but what do you attribute 
Robinson's stat line too on Sunday? Was it just great coverage by the Giants, or are you concerned about Robin's chemistry with Mitch Trubisky? I don't think I'm worried too much um, with their chemistry. I think Mitchell actually has the most chemistry with Allen Robinson. He, I think the problem sometimes Mitchell tends to force it to him. Um, I, it's hard to speculate if, you know, what Allen Robinson's mindset was in that game. Cause it's been a weird week for him. Um, but I'll never question his effort. I think he was there. His effort was there. I, I mean, I think I give more credit to the Bradbury who basically got that interception. He basically stole that ball out of Allen Robinson's hands. And usually that doesn't happen with Allen Robinson. He usually wins those 50, 50 balls. So, um, I think it was more just um, a compliment to the defense and the way they covered him because I think him and Mitchell have the best chemistry on this team and he's the reliable receiver that Mitchell tends to go to week in, week out. And I don't know. I don't know if this week had some kind of effect on his game, but I'm going to lean more toward crediting the Giants defense. Yeah, it's crazy because the Giants defense, they, they were pretty good against the Steelers in the first half, not so much in the second, but it was a similar thing. The Giants defense pitched the shutout in the second half. It's surprising because it's a young defense too, but um, you know, props to the Bears for hanging tough and grinding out that win. Yeah, we somehow managed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I want to ask you about your quarterback. Mitch seems to be like the most Jekyll and Hyde type of quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he did make the Pro Bowl in 2018. My question for you is, do you think he's the long-term answer? And remember, he actually, believe it or not, as as much as you might not believe this, he did finish above 500 in the last two seasons. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's the long-term an- like answer. I, I've always been his biggest defender, and I feel like I'm still hanging on. But it's really paramount with this season what he does. And if he can lead us to the playoffs, then I think he could be a long-term solution. I don't know if he's necessarily a franchise quarterback, but we're kind of playing with the cards we were dealt. And um, unfortunately, there's two other quarterbacks in that draft that we could have had that are pretty amazing. So I think a lot of the credit for our record these past two seasons, especially since Matt Nagy got here is because of our defense and how dominant they have been. And Mitchell's kind of been able to get those wins because of this defense. And looking at it closely, you could see that Mitchell, he hasn't really been the reason why we're winning so much. I mean, he does enough here and there, but it's, he's too inconsistent. And if he can put a consistently great season or just good, I think they, resign him but this year it's make or break for him and i i'm not too optimistic that he'll be the long-term solution it's crazy because two years ago this guy made the pro bowl i'm pretty sure he might have been an alternate but that's still pretty impressive um caitlin darnell mooney is a guy that i happen to like for chicago i think he flies under the radar and i'm a big notre dame fan so i love cole Komet as well i think he's a great uh, complimentary tight end uh, next to Jimmy Graham. Two rookies I happen to love, but the Giants did a good job in coverage for the most part. Komet only had one catch. When will Komet get more involved, do you think, in the Bears offense? I think they're going to slowly get him involved week to week. Um, it was nice to finally see him actually have a catch because he didn't do anything the first week. I think it's going to be more heavily towards Jimmy Graham being the go-to guy 
And I think they're going to, especially with this off season, there wasn't an off season. So these rookies are really kind of just learning as they go. And I think maybe midway through the season, he might become more of a factor. It's just depending on how much he's growing in this offense and learning it. Now the coaches have talked pretty highly of how fast he's come along in training camp. So I feel like they want to get him involved, but I think if Jimmy Graham keeps doing what he's doing and providing some kind of, you know, pass threat there that they might just be slow to get him involved. And I think it'll be more Jimmy Graham being the tight end for now. So defensively, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, they got to Daniel Jones early and often, and they they actually caused turnover too. What do you, what do you think, or how do you think the return of Robert Quinn, or actually, I'm sorry, not the return, really the debut of Robert Quinn helped in your win? I think he was such a huge factor. I mean, what an effect he had on this defense. Basically, we struggled week one, and we struggled last year getting to the quarterback consistently because we were dealing with, Akeem Hicks was out with an injury, and so Khalil Mack's really our only option as a pass rusher. And so he struggled because, of course, all your blockers are going to go to him. He's the number one guy. You want to make sure you take him out of the game. So now you add in Robert Quinn. You add another threat on the other side. And you see right away he's causing fumbles, getting to the quarterback. And that's going to help out Khalil Max game because some, you know, the offensive players are going to have to, you know, worry about Robert Quinn. And then it's going to help out Akeem Hicks. And um, I think Robert Quinn had such an, I mean, I saw a stat where he basically, because of his two pressures, he caused the two turnovers. And that's already like matching his total for 2019. So he's already off to a hot start. And I I think he's going to be such a great addition for this defense just to basically boost up Khalil Mack's game and even Khalil Mack could maybe get back to getting double-digit sacks again. That's a good point, Caitlin. Um, I want to talk about two other guys on that defensive line that kind of go unnoticed. So, Eddie Goldman opted out, which was huge because he's a force in the trenches. But Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols, I I heard you talking about him on your podcast the other day. Uh, They quietly made some nice plays. I saw Nichols had a tackle in the backfield for loss uh, against the Giants. And then, of course, Roquan Smith is a really young linebacker. Loads of young talent on this team. How confident are you in this Bears defense moving forward and those guys? I'm, I'm fairly confident. It looks like they're getting back to their old ways of 2018. I think the reason why they were so dominant in 2018 was because they were so effective at getting to the quarterback consistently, and they were so effective at getting takeaways. They were leading the NFL in takeaways. And you saw in this game how you know crucial those takeaways were. And even you know Eddie Jackson's pick six that got taken off the board, that, was, that could have been a game changer for us. And so I I feel confident where this defense is at. And I I was a little bit worried about the defensive line week one, especially no Eddie Goldman. But I think Bilal Nichols and the rest of that line stepped up this week. And if they can, you know, maintain that and be consistent with helping out with stopping the run and basically helping out Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn so they can get to the quarterback. But I feel confident. I think we have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. You have Eddie Jackson, all pro Kyle Fuller, all pro Jalen Johnson, our rookie is really, I mean, he's impressed me so far. And so I feel confident about where this defense is going. I really like Jalen Johnson too. That was a great, uh, that was a great decision by Chicago. Him and Fuller, good young combo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think Kyle Fuller is, I don't think people talk about him enough as 
him being such a great cover corner. He just seems to always take out the top receiver. Like every time he hope whatever receiver he faces, he tends to do a good job against them. And, and then I think 2018, he really um, took it to the next level by getting interceptions and leading the league in interceptions. And now he, I mean, he, the first two weeks, he's been such almost like an MVP for us, the way he's been covering these receivers. Good point. Yeah, definitely. So talk, so um, how important, I think you would say that Eddie Jackson is like an important member of secondary. I mean, we kind of talked about this before. Darius Slayton had, he's had like the most touchdowns in the NFL since last season. How important do you think he was and probably will continue to be the rest of the way? Yeah, I think Eddie Jackson is, I mean, I think he's one of the best safeties in the league. Um, and he, he's almost like a cornerback back there with his speed and his ability to get to the ball, take the ball away. And he's all over the field. He, he definitely does take out receivers. And, and I, I just, I feel like he's kind of, I think, obviously people respect him enough because he's getting voted to the pro bowl and voted all pro. So people recognize his greatness, but I think he's such a big proponent on this defense because he's so good at going after the ball, getting those takeaways. And um, I, I think last year he struggled a little bit because maybe people are realizing how great he is. So they don't want to throw to his side. And I think there's that factor too. They don't want to even look to his side. That's the kind of respect that he's getting from around the league. So um, I feel like he's, I think he's right up there with uh, Khalil Mack as being like one of the most important players on this defense. I agree. Right. And I think, I think we got to get together all in the room regarding Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Isn't he, Taylor, is he still the highest paid safety in the NFL? I know he was at one point. That's still the case. I, man, I, I actually don't know. I haven't checked recently. Um, yeah, because we recently re-signed him. Uh, I feel like at this point he's probably not because there's just always these new contracts, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been crazy, these contract extensions in the offseason. But uh, back to Eddie Jackson, he had an interception that was overturned. You remember the pick six. Um, what was your take on that call? Because it was definitely controversial. I can, I can see from both sides. What, uh, what, what was your take on that call? So obviously you see that play and you get super excited as a Bears fan thinking that basically wins the game for us. And then you get a replay and you see what I, what the refs were seeing. And for me, in my opinion, I thought he was just trying to go for the ball. I don't think he was really trying to interfere or anything. I think this is Eddie Jackson. He has that mentality. He's always trying to get interceptions. He's always trying to get pick sixes. And I think he was really trying to go for the ball. And then you see after the, the game where Eddie Jackson's tweeting about it, basically insinuating that it shouldn't have been taken off the board. And so as a fan, I'm like, man, I'm getting a little upset at that. But so it kind of validates the opinion I thought, which is where I thought he was just going for the ball. I didn't think he was trying to actually interfere. I think he was just trying to be a football player and make a play. And Kyle Fuller kind of got called for the same thing in week one when he was trying to go for the ball. So I think it was just a, a football player trying to make a play. So let's see what Caitlin is talking about. I actually have the clip here. Um, I do think this is a very uh, call that could have gone either way. I'm going to get it up here um, without the sound just so we can see it happen live. little lag, but.
So I'm going to see if we can get a replay. Here it is. Right there. So that's very tough to call if you're an official. I think if you're looking at that, um, he he is clearly going for the ball. I'll uh, go through here with it. So it's interesting, Caitlin, because the ref said, um, if I'm not mistaken, he was just like apologizing, like, oh, that's my bad. But then the play-by-play announcer is saying that's clearly a pass interference. So there's a lot of mixed opinions here on this play. Um, My opinion is that it was because of the, like the shoulder bump at the end, but Here's my um, contrary argument is that if that play was called, if there was no flag called and the Giants challenged it, it would have stood as a touchdown. I think the fact that it was called pass interference, they wouldn't have uh, reversed it because I still think it was a point in the game where Bears had timeouts. They could have thrown the flag and challenged it if they would have liked, but they were ahead. I think it was the smart move not to. Um, Hank, what is your opinion on this play? I, yeah, that's a really tough call to make. And I think based on the shoulder bump, I would have to side with the ref. I think that probably may have been a um, pass interference right there because let's put it this way, like jumping like up and um, hitting the guy on the shoulder. That That's a blatant PI, but I can see why I definitely, or sort of. But I definitely can see – I see both sides of it like Tom, so I can see why that may have been a very hard one to make. I'm playing more the middle ground. I do think it was pass interference, but again, like I said, I think if it was ruled touchdown, you have to leave it because it was so close you can't really tell. It's interesting to see different yeah. perspectives, Hank. Um, that's that's interesting. So, uh, Yeah, I – Caitlin, I, I think it was just barely <laughs> – it didn't even matter what yeah. happened because Chicago's defense was so strong in this game. I was definitely very impressed leading up to this uh, Bobby Massey play. I know, Hank, you wanted to talk about that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that play right there is probably even rarer than a perfect game in baseball. And I have to ask you, Caitlin, how yeah. much do you think of, of a difference maker do you think that play was? Because, I mean, that was huge. Fourth and one to have the ball batted away and caught by out of nowhere by a lineman. I mean, yeah, I thought that was one of the luckiest plays I've ever, like, I've seen in a while. Um, I, I I was even confused watching it. I was like, wait, is he allowed, is he eligible, is he allowed to catch that? And then you find out, you know, because it bounced off an eligible receiver, mm-hmm. he's able to go for it. And I felt like, yeah, that to convert that first down just takes off more time on the clock and I that could have I think that potentially you know helped us win this game for sure oh definitely I mean you chew, you chewed up some clock too and I also want to point out Mitch had a play where he just straight up ran and dove down for the first down chewing up some more clock that was that was real smart of him too yeah and I want to see more of that because he was so great at in 2018 using his legs scrambling and he kind of went away from that last year. And so hopefully we can get more of that this season with him just scrambling and getting some, you know, first downs with his legs. Oh, for sure. Definitely a good point because Mitch Trubisky, there is some pressure on him this year because Nick Foles is sitting right in the windows. He's right there. 
uh, getting ready to get called up. But right now the Bears are 2-0. and They're looking good. And I personally feel that um, Matt Nagy is such an underrated head coach uh, coming from the Andy Reid tree. Uh, and the Bears, look, they're two years removed from 12-4. and The Vikings and Lions have started off 0-2 right now. It's just the Packers, but that could change in the blink of an eye. Hey, what is your outlook for Matt Nagy and the team moving forward into the coming weeks? I feel confident with Matt Nagy. Um, I think he, in his first two seasons, he kind of had to work his way through what he was going to be like as a play caller. And I think this offseason, he really, he even said himself that he kind of looked himself in the mirror and said, how can I be better? And what he realized is I need to find an identity for this offense. And I can't try to force these players to kind of fit into my offense. I have to adapt to what they're good at. And realizing that Diva Montgomery, he would be such a strength for this team, and we need to utilize him more than we did last season. And you can see what he's doing early on, making making David Montgomery the focal point of this offense. And I think if he keeps going with that philosophy, and it's just going to make Mitchell's job easier if you have a solid running back back there. And then I also like how he's utilizing Tariq Cohen, making him kind of a running back again because he's kind of used him these first two seasons with him as coach as more of like a gadget guy, kind of as a receiver here and there, do these little trick plays. And now he's just utilizing him as a running back, a true running back. And so I think if he keeps with this identity, running the football, make that our, you know, strength on offense. And I, I think that'll make our offense even better. Um, I think him just in general as a head coach, he gets these players fighting every single game. You think we're out of it? No, we're not because he's always has them fighting until the end. I, I mean, I think about last season when like probably halfway, we're pretty much realizing we're not going to be a playoff team again. And he still has his team fighting. And then week 17 to win when that game didn't matter to us. And we finished the season eight and eight. So I think this team really believes in him as a leader but then I think now with him being a play caller, he's kind of taken a step in the right direction. So I feel pretty confident with him going forward. Yeah, definitely. I also I, I, feel really confident in Chuck. Sorry, I think he's a little lag hanky there. No, yeah, I'm there. I can hear. I got you. Okay. <laughs> I like Chuck Pagano too, Caitlin. I think he's fantastic as a defensive coordinator. I think you guys really got a really good end of a bargain with him he's just fantastic play calling um but yeah hank what, what was your uh last thought for caitlin yeah no i i would agree i think matt Nagy is definitely very underrated coach and you know when you think of the andy reed coach for you, i've said a number of times over the years that um Andy Reid's a guy who always seems to get the most out of like his quarterbacks in particular. And I think Mac Nagy, I, I can see where he's getting that from too. Yeah. I, I think you guys are in decent shape with him. Yeah. And you can see how Andy Reid, his kind of coaching tree, the kind of history of how successful other coaches have been with other teams. So um, yeah, I still, I feel confident, you know, especially him having like Andy Reid as a mentor. 100%. That's definitely a big factor there. Uh, folks, Caitlin, uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We appreciate all of your insight. And any uh, any thoughts on this Falcons game Sunday? I know 2-0 against 0-2, but uh, Matt Ryan, man, I, I'm, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. 
I, I feel confident, but you never know what mentality this Falcons team will come in with this week. They come off a really demoralizing loss. So you don't know if they're going to come in pretty down or they're going to come in hungry. So, and the bears tend to kind of teams. You think, like I said, with the giants, like a team, you think they blow out, they kind of, it's a close game. So I have a feeling it might end up being a close game, but I feel like the defense is going to contain their receipt. I know they have a couple of pretty great receivers, but I think they'll, our corners are pretty great as well. So it's just a matter of how many points can our offense score and the, and the fit they can get like a lot of touchdowns more than they have the first two weeks. So it's going to be a key for them, how this offense is going to do against their defense. Fair point. Bears best off to their best start since 2013. So, uh, Best of luck Sunday. And I think we're going to have you back on another one of our shows, the North Pole, next Tuesday, right? With, uh, with, yes. Yep. Yeah. So that show, uh, six to 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. Really looking forward to watching that as Caitlin, you can catch her recap the Bears game against the Falcons. Uh, Caitlin, again, wanted to thank you for your time and look forward to speaking with you in the future. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed. All right. Thank you very much, Caitlin. Appreciate it. Thanks. So that was Caitlin Leonard from uh, Pennsylvania and really excited to talk about the Chicago Bears with her. And now we look ahead. Um, Just wanted to talk about a couple of other things before we preview the San Francisco 49ers game, folks. Uh, So. Back to some of the pros for the Giants team on Sunday. You know, I'm looking at this team. And we left off with Deion Lewis. Yes. And he didn't rush for many yards, but he had a great touchdown off on a fourth and one from the one yard line where Joe Judge dialed it up perfectly. Hernandez pulled properly. Eitler and Gates got the penetration up front and Lewis was able to plow through. And I think that was the only touchdown score of the game. I'm pretty sure. So there. Yes, it was. That was well, the Giants. Yes. Such an important uh, part of the game right there because that brought them back in it. They were down uh, 17 to three. And then Bradbury, solid game overall, caused the love interception. The two were wrestling, uh, Bradbury wrestling the ball away from A Rob for an interception of his own. So, you know, I've got to tell you, there are a lot of playmakers on this Giants team. It's just a matter of time before they start translating into wins. Yes, and given the schedule and what's coming up, that might take a while because they're very young. But, you know, time time will tell where the, they go. But, again, if you really watch, as we mentioned, if you really watch the first few games, you can definitely see some signs that they're improving. It's just, you know, we're not getting the results. And I get the impatience, but it is what it is. So I want to go over some of the bright spots on this team before we get to the cons and preview San Francisco. So I'm going to share my screen. And these are two players that have really stuck out to me on defense in the front seven. Dexter Lawrence and Blake Martinez. So, folks, um, Dexter Lawrence owns an 85.7 pro football focus grade. That ranks sixth. I'm sorry, fifth amongst uh, interior defensive linemen in the NFL. That is huge. And then Blake Martinez, the second-ranked linebacker overall in the NFL through two weeks, 
top against the run with a 92 PFF grade, and he's pretty good in pass coverage. I know there is a lot of concern about Blake Martinez in pass coverage, Hank, and when the Giants got rid of Ryan Connolly, we weren't sure who was going to fill that void because Mayo is hurt right now. He's known as more of a run stuffer, but Martinez has done a nice job filling that void. Yeah, he every game you can see him leaving. I think both games, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he lead both of them in tackles besides this one? Yes. Yes, he had eight tackles on Sunday. And right now I believe he has 21 tackles for the season, which is about and eighth or ninth in the league. One cool thing I saw on Twitter, actually, by the way, I think this was a week ago, but like Carl Banks actually pointed out how good, good of a game he, he good, well he's been playing so far. And I loved seeing Blake reply with, thanks, man. And then Carl's like, keep balling. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely good to see. Um, I love when the Giants legends like show their praise and keep on supporting like the current guys. Show their comments, yeah. Um, so I'm going to remove this now as we talked about Dex, Dexter as well, who, quite frankly, Dexter Lawrence is avoiding a sophomore slump. Fantastic. I think he's doing a great job stuffing the run. And next we're going to go over our – Impact players on defense, which I like to call the playmakers. So there's a couple of playmakers on this Giants defense, and their names are the two names you would probably suspect, uh, Lorenzo Carter and James Bradbury. So Lorenzo Carter, a guy who, in my opinion, is currently the best pass rusher on this team, even above Marcus Golden, because he's getting more reps. Uh, on the 78 pro football focus grade, nine amongst all edge rushers in the NFL. And he had a sack against the Bears last week. One of the Giants' four sacks in this game. Hank, what have you seen from Lorenzo Carter so far in Big Blue? Yeah, I think Lorenzo Carter has been doing a great job penetrating, getting to the quarterback and making the big plays that he's needed. And, um, yeah, definitely one of our our valuable pieces to the uh, front four. The next guy – oh, sorry, go ahead. And yeah, I, and Bradbury getting to the other guy, Bradbury. Yeah. I he he's the MVP of our secondary, without a doubt. Yeah. Hands down. Um, That's not even debatable. He spends majority of his snaps as the wide cornerback, first in coverage in the entire NFL through two weeks. He's great against the run, as you can see right there. And look what he did against Allen Robinson. He had nine or ten targets in that game. Only gave up three catches and one interception. And actually, folks, we have a treat for you guys. We are going to show that clip of the Bradbury interception. So I will share my screen again and walk you through without the sound. Here we go. That is something else. You can see right here, his head is not even turned. It's not even facing the football. Look at this just miraculous, a miraculous catch by James Bradbury. I can't stress enough how much I'm excited to have him as a New York football giant. It's I, I love the guy. He's the cornerback we've wanted. It didn't work out last year with DeAndre Baker or Janoris Jenkins, so it's really nice to have him. 
Yeah, and you know the important part about that play was it led to points too. Yeah, it led to the Grinnell field goal, and yeah, if and had the Giants won this game, I think this is a play we would have been talking about as like the real game changer. Oh, 100 percent. Um, one last graphic here: the fifth impact player these first two weeks, which will probably surprise you all. Hope you have your bubble gum out. Is Big Red? No one intended. Uh, Riley Dixon, the he is the punter out of Syracuse, former Denver Bronco, and I'm just going to read off some stats on him here. He is tied for fourth in the NFL with the most punts down inside the 20 yard line and has only given up 13 return yards through two weeks. Hank, how crazy is that? He's really doing a good job of angling his kicks. And oddly enough, he's one of my five impact players. Oh, no. I, you know what? Listen, I don't blame you. I think we talked about it during the game. You even made a comment saying he was one of the biggest playmakers on offense. And, you know, Sadly. considering how, how big his punts have been, I can't say that's a stretch, man. I really can't. And fun fact, he played with Giants current long snapper Casey Kreider back in Denver. So just a few fun facts. And then 58 yards per punt, that's just goes unnoticed, but – it really kept the Giants in this game, field position, making the Bears go the length of the field to score. Uh, they were very even in yards. Both teams were lurking around 300 yards. Bears had a little over. Giants had a little under uh, at the end of it. So Riley Dixon, big red because of his hair. Um, <laughs> so definitely like Riley Dixon. In my opinion, he's the best punter we've had since Steve Weatherford and Jeff Eagles. I just really like him. He's here to stay. He's young, too. He's only 27 years old, so. Shout out to Riley. Oh, definitely. All right. So thank you, Riley Dixon. Uh, so now let's get to the cons of the game, which I'm not so excited to talk about, but we have to run through them. Yep. Uh, the season ending injury to Barkley, the turf toe to Sterling Shepard. I want to get a quick comment here from uh, James Montefusco. Dixon has been great. He really has. Thank you for the comment, James. Any comments you folks have, feel free to shoot in the screen. Uh, for the remainder of the show, the offense, the Giants offense was shut out in the first half, but the Bears offense was uh, shut out in the second half. It's just crazy, Hank. The offense couldn't get going. Uh, a not so fun fact for you Giant fans watching, the Giants offensive line has given up the second most pressures in the NFL through two weeks. The only team that more is the Houston Texans, where Deshaun Watson is dancing all over the place. Um, Andrew Thomas and Cam Fleming got steamrolled by Mack and Quinn. Thomas had a decent week one, pitiful week two. He just wasn't there, Hank, uh, sadly enough. I was not impressed with either of the tackles or center Nick Gates. I think the only offensive lineman I liked was uh, Kevin Zeitler in this game, who is the highest-rated Giants offensive lineman, according to PFF right now. But he's just above average. And that's not going to cut it. I understand Khalil Mack, number one edge rusher against the run, number eight pass rusher in the league, number eight in coverage. There's not much you can do there. So, but the facts are the facts. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You can't, the offensive line, definitely we need them to step up. Next week isn't, the next few weeks are going to get any easier. But again, I think to point out what you're saying, you also got going to have to give Chicago credit where credit is due. Robert Quinn and Kevin Ma- and Khalil Mack are going to make any offensive line 
and have a nightmare for sure. According to next gen stats, they get to the quarterback really quickly. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, Daniel Jones, the two turnovers, the fumble on the first drive, the pick to Deion uh, Bush, the Giants defense struggled to stop the run as Caitlin Leonard was talking about earlier. Our guest tonight, David Montgomery was really good in this game. The last drive, um, the Giants defense got the stop off the missed field goal, and then the team fell just short. Daniel Jones, incomplete pass to the end zone, attempted for Golden Beat, penalized for offensive pass interference. Uh, thoughts on that p- final play? Uh, I mean, I was, like, obviously wishfully thinking there was going to be a defensive pass interference, but looking at the replay, it's obvious that it's obvious the refs got it right. He was, like, pushing off a guy. You, that They're going to call that out of every ten times. I would agree. Um, the Bears also converted a lot of third downs. The Giants' defense could not get off the field, which is what left the Giants with that little time on that last drive. The Bears were 9 for 16 on third down, as were the Giants were only – three for 13. So any final thoughts on this bears game before we preview week three? Yeah, that third down conversions I've often said can make a big difference between a close game and winning and losing. And, you know, again, as, as I pretty much said last week, there's, there were definitely a good amount of positives to build off of, but unfortunately this is like a young team and they made mistakes that you're pretty much going to see a lot, a lot of times. And, Hopefully they can take this game as a learning experience and move on. And of course I'm kind of getting tired of saying that, but you know, that's what it is. Is what it is. Right on cue. Uh, yeah. Apparently people hate when men say that is what it is. Um, <laughs> but it's can, the can the giants take advantage of an injured San Francisco 49ers squad in week three, they beat the jets 31, 13 in week two. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went 14 for 16 before exiting the game with a high ankle sprain injury. Raheem Mostert had an 80-yard touchdown on the first play of scrimmage before he exited the game with an injury as well. Garoppolo has been ruled out for this week. Nick Mullins will start Hank, who actually started against the Giants back in 2018. The Giants did win that game. And I think what's really benefited San Francisco this week is they're playing in the same stadium two weeks in a row. They actually had to investigate the turf because the amount of injuries that occurred in the 49ers-Jets game. It was just the 49ers. The Jets had numerous wide receivers go down with injury. Yeah, I haven't really put too much stock into that. I just think, you know, it's the NFL. Injuries happen. I feel like it's bad luck. Maybe it is the turf. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, like, I don't know. I've just taken that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um. Monster sprained MCL. Kevin Coleman also a sprained MCL. Terrible. The 49ers are also hopeful that tight end George Kittle can return this week. Uh, I'm not too sure if he will. There's a chance he could play, but Jordan Reed just scored two touchdowns against that Jets defense last week. Why rush Kittle back against the team that you're favored to beat when you have a tight end like Jordan Reed? Yeah, Jordan Reed's been been good in the past. We've seen him with uh, Washington in the past, like when healthy. Yeah, when healthy. That's that's the key word, Hank. Yeah, exactly. When healthy. He's had a lot of injury problems. 
And that's why, you know, I'm wearing this jersey tonight because your best ability is your availability. And that's what number 10 um, always was. He was available. Uh, other injuries for the 49ers, three more. Uh, Debo Samuel also with a fractured foot. He has not played yet this season. D Ford will miss the game due to an injured back. And Richard Sherman will still miss another week or two with a calf injury, leaving the 49ers defense with guys like Fred Warner and Arik Armstead. There is not much else to work with if you're the 49ers defensively. But, Hank, I got to tell you, it should be interesting because second straight week in a row, they're at MetLife. And this is a semi-rivalry between these two non-divisional opponents. Yeah, both of them, if you look at the record, they're pretty evenly matched. 21 and 20 and 20, I believe the Giants have the advantage, although, and yes, that does include the, what is it, five postseason games you've played against them? Yes. At least. So, and I'll, uh, Tom, by the way, I've got a fun fact for you. Oh, yeah? All ears. Eli Manning. The last two times the Giants beat the 49ers, Eli Manning led the Giants on two come from behind fourth quarter drives. 2018, you might remember Sterling Shepard scored the game winner with 50 yeah, seconds left. Yeah, you're right. And, and then, then Larry Donnell scored Larry that 12-yard touchdown in 2015. The last, I, the last time they played the Giants at MetLife. I was at that game in 2015 where Donnell caught the game-winning touchdown. We were 2-2. Two and two. We were either 2-2 two and two or 3-2. and two. Uh, I believe it was week five, so we were 2-2. Two and two. We were 3-2? and Yes, because they beat Buffalo the right, week before okay. and they beat Washington week three. So week six. Um, Danell's bobbling the ball. We're not sure if he caught it. All the fans think it was very mixed opinion in the stands, and we find yeah. out but really on the field. My uncle's there. Uh, Danell got lucky. He, he said it on the way out, and like the Giants got very lucky to win that game. But uh, let me tell you something. It's going to be very interesting because the 49ers have a one and one record against the Giants under Kyle Shanahan. Interestingly enough, Jimmy Garoppolo has not started a game versus the Giants under Kyle Shanahan. Crazy. Um, Yeah, we're going to get to our predictions in just a moment. Uh, But first, keys to the game. Hank, we have to get off the field on third down. We cannot, we have not been able to do that last couple of weeks and the Giants have to stop the run. And it all starts with the 49ers running back, Jarek McKinnon, who will start. Remember, Hank, Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be the starter last year. He hasn't played a football game in over two years now. Uh, well, hasn't started a football game in over two years because Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert are both hurt. But Despite the injuries to those running backs, the 49ers should still be able to ground the pound, and here is why. You guys are going to love this graphic. Well, not if you're a Giants fan, but Mm. uh, let's take a look at this. Let's break this down. Hank, what do you see? These guys are huge. You got an average of like 303 pounds on this squad. The one guy that's like different is – Brunskill, the four, number fourth on that on that chart. Right guard, yeah. the The defensive the defense is going to have a tough time with given that that huge offensive line San Francisco has. And Trent Williams, we've seen with Washington in the past. He's been 
even in the years where they were bad, he was one of their bright spots. He was consistently making Pro Bowls with them. So he should have a pretty big impact on this game as well. Yeah, and they acquired Trent Williams via trade from Washington in the offseason because Joe Staley did retire. Um, the Giants are going to have to pressure Nick Mullins and stop the run. It's going to be very difficult. They're the eighth-ranked offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. You brought up the average weight, but look at the average height right above it. Yeah, Trent, Trent Williams, Ben Garland, and Daniel Brunskill are all 6'5", and McGlinchey is 6'8". Yeah, that's insane. insane. These guys are huge. Their smallest offensive lineman is Lakin Tomlinson, who's six three. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, uh, the San Francisco 49ers offensive line is huge. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, B.J. Hill, D. Law, they're going to have their hands full. I'm not looking forward to this. I think the forty, I think the 49ers are going to win this game strictly because of this image. We are displaying to you right now these guys are good McGlinchey was a first round pick a couple of years ago uh, Ben Garland was acquired I find it very difficult um, even if George Kittle isn't active you, you're going to have to contain him as well that's another key to the game containing George Kittle stopping the run putting pressure on Nick Mullins there's so many moving parts to this Hank and mm-hmm. I'm just having trouble finding a way uh, saying that the Giants are going to win this game strictly due to these factors. I'm not 100% certain, but there is a new man in town this week. Yes. Uh, yes, that's uh, Devontae Yeah, yeah. Talk about Devontae Freeman a little bit and what he brings to the table for this Giants offense. He's a guy that in you know in years past he was a key he was a key member of the Falcons offense when they made their Super Bowl run in 2016. He's kind of fallen down a little bit, and you know Seattle offered him a lot of money this offseason, but he turned that down. And then all of a sudden, we see him come to the Giants. He says he liked their situation better, better, and he took less money. And I personally, obviously, as a Giant fan, I hope that works out for him. I hope so, too. He handled his interview with the Giants very well today, made all the right answers. I think they're going to sprinkle him in. This week, if Wayne Goldman is healthy, I think you're going to see a combination of him and Deion Lewis, maybe uh, 10 to 15 snaps for Devontae Freeman. He did practice today. Remember, he was in Philadelphia when he found out about Barkley's torn ACL. He was working out for numerous teams, and it's crazy because you see all the injuries around the league this year, Hank, and the Giants uh, – look, I'm, I'm going to kick myself for saying this, but they got lucky that the injury to Barkley happened this early because they picked up the best free agent available. Yes. Freeman brings you pass catching. He brings you good vision behind the, uh, the tackles. He is able to spread the field as well. You can line him up as a slot player. Uh, he can pass protect Daniel Jones. He'll keep him up front. He's a small guy. He's 5'8", a little over 200 pounds. But I think you brought up a good point in your notes the Giants need to use a running back by committee. And that's yeah. how they're going to um, you know, try to keep themselves true on this offense. They want to stay true to running the football. And that is the ideology that Jason Garrett emphasized in Dallas. And that's the ideology he needs to emphasize with the New York football Giants, especially without Sterling Shepard. You're down to Slayton, Tate, and Grove. 
And I guess you could throw Caden Smith in there as well. Yeah. Um, I'm worried because there are only four healthy wide receivers on the active 53 man heading in Sunday's game. That's Slayton, Tate, CJ Board, and I'm forgetting the other one for some reason. I think um, uh, Damian Ratley is the fourth who they acquired off waivers. So you have a load, a boatload of wide receivers on your practice squad with guys like Austin Mack, Derek Dillon, Benjamin Victor. Will one of them get promoted to the 53 man on game day? Remember, you can now promote two players from the practice squad to the active 53 man. And I think it's more than likely one of those guys gets promoted this week. And um, it'll be, I think they promote a wide receiver and a running back this week to the active 53 man. That's just my opinion. Um, predictions, Hank. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. I think given the situation we've got a wide receiver, they're probably gonna have to do that. But anyways, let me get to my uh, prediction of this game. I was extremely on the fence when it came to trying to decide who wins this game. Like, you know, and I had the same thing last week. I was really torn between going with my heart and going with my gut. This time, I'm going to go with my heart just slightly. I think even though, to your point, the offensive line for the 49ers could give the Giants problems, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think the Giants might do just enough because the 49ers are going to be missing a lot of their key guys this week. I say the Giants win, let's say 20 to 17. Pretty low scoring. 17. See this? Writing it down. 2017. Look, it could happen, man. There's a lot of injuries, and I agree with you that the Giants have a legit shot to win this game because of their no-quit physical mentality causing turnovers and their defense. Their defense. I think that philosophy helps, and the Giants' offense is not far off. They're only going to improve. My concern is that offensive line up front, those big boys, I'm not sure, uh, which is why I'm going with San Francisco. I know we went opposite last week. I went the Giants, and you went the Bears, I believe. Yep. Tides have turned this week. I think the 49ers win by a final score of 16-10. to 10. That's better. I originally had 9-6, to six, then I upgraded 13-10, to 10, and now I upgraded again before um, <laughs> the start of tonight's show. I decided to give you know each team some more points. So, uh yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game, closer than what a lot of people thought. I think the Giants will give San Francisco uh, a lot more fight than what they were given last week from the Jets. But I'm excited. I really think there's a lot to look forward to if you're a New York football Giants fan. Oh, definitely. I um, I think given their heart and what I saw the last two weeks, I think that like you said, may have been what compelled me to pick them to win, even though I'm a little nervous about doing so, but is, you know, we'll see. But I, I agree. This is going to be a game that I'm very much looking forward to. I'm very interested to see how Daniel Jones bounces back after those, after the two turnover performance yesterday. Can he improve? We'll, we'll have to find out. You know, that's a good point you bring up. I'm not sure uh, how well they'll perform this week. But the 49ers do have, an injury plague defense. So we'll see what happens, but Hank, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Hope you folks all enjoyed the talk with Caitlin and we'll have her back on um, the North pole on Tuesday. Make sure to check that out. We'll be back with big blue Avenue next week. 
7 to 8 p.m. Final thoughts? No, I'm just, um, I think I pretty much said everything I'm, I wanted to say. It's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Giants will bring to the table next week. Sounds good, Hank. On behalf of Hank and Dichter, I'm your host, Tom Skivetsen. So long. You've been watching Big Blue Avenue here on Review and Preview Sports. Good night, everybody.